You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. How's everybody doing? Good. Um, I've got the microphone, so I get to control tonight. Uh, so I want to brag on a few things. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think last time I spoke, we were launching two locations for youth uh, for our teens ministry, and uh, that has been going gangbusters. Uh, so... Um, I believe, uh, I believe Naomi's sick, so she can't be here with us tonight, but just a few things. Um, so in, for Collingwood Park over the last four weeks, uh, we have had 18 visitors through our Collingwood Park location for teens ministry. That's 18. 18, never, never been before. And uh, so that's, that's pretty amazing. I, like 18 is pretty awesome. Um, and then I've, I've got a photo uh, if, yeah, so this is our Friday night here at our Ipswich location, and this is actually a spontaneous prayer meeting, not set up by the leaders, but set up by the students to pray for their Connect leaders. Um, so that's what happens of a Friday night. So, yeah, I, I love to brag on. So we've got an awesome youth team, so be praying for them as well as our other ministries. Get on board if you're creative in any way, shape, or form. I am not, so I will not be attending Tuesday, uh, rest assured. Uh, i I got a sermon. I want to speak tonight uh, for a little bit. Pastor John mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we want our night service to be a little bit different uh, rather than just me speaking to you and you kind of nodding and agreeing and umming and ahhing and going, is that true or is that not true? Uh, we we want to... Uh, I just want to speak for a shorter amount of time tonight, and then we're just going to pray for some people for a few specific things. And uh, and so I'm not going to be speaking for a whole lot tonight, but uh, we want God to do something amazing and awesome uh, in the lives and hearts of, of whoever's in this building tonight. So we're believing for great things to be unlocked and uh, lives to be changed tonight. So uh, this... This evening, I want to uh, share a a scripture, and uh, you know, if you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably heard this scripture spoken about or or touched on. And uh, it's essentially the birth of the church, the birth of the thing that you and I are a part of. Uh, Jesus has finished his earthly ministry; Uh, he's been crucified, he's raised from the dead, he's gone back up to heaven, and. and all that's left on earth is the disciples. And uh, so a few, a few Jewish guys, some followers, a few women that had kind of been influenced by Jesus' ministry are still hanging around. And they're up in this room and then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Uh, amazing things happen. And then uh, I pick it up from chapter 2, verses 14 to 21. Uh, you can follow along in your own Bible if you want. It says this, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. That's an awesome way to start a sermon, isn't it? Uh, These people are not, I swear, they're not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock is way too early in the morning for that. No, what you see is predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day 
of the Lord arrives, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then from there, bang, the church was birthed. 3,000 people on that first day, and then you and I are now a part of what that sermon birthed, what that first message birthed. You and I now sit in a building that represents everything that Peter stood up and said on that day. Uh, you know, it might, might have seemed like just insignificant words. It might have seemed like a bit of passion. It might have seemed like a bit of hype. But essentially, you and I now sit believing the same thing that Peter spoke. And the church now covers more than two-thirds, uh, more than one-third of the world's population. Uh, over two billion people call themselves Christians and attest to believing in the things that Jesus did and who he says he was. And it all started with that little speech. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we are a part of something amazing. And Lord, you want to do something amazing in our hearts and in our lives tonight. And Lord, I just pray that as we unpack your word, that Lord, you would release something of your spirit into our hearts tonight. Lord, that that it wouldn't just be words, it wouldn't just be clever speech, but Lord, something of you will be departed into our hearts, into our minds, but also, Lord, into our week as we go ahead. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would breathe something into us tonight. Lord, let us leave new, let us leave feeling fresh in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. I've always wanted to be a performer. Uh, One of my kind of dreams was to be uh, that guy that, you know, packing out stadiums and, uh, you know, being able to sing and everybody loves it. Um, But unfortunately, I can't sing. Um, So it was always a pipe dream for me. So I've always just kind of filled it in being the funny guy in church productions and stuff like that. Um, But one one of the guys that I'm uber jealous of, uber jealous of is Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman has it all. Like, I mean, he's probably Australia's greatest export. Anybody with me? This is a lot of women saying yes. (laughs) Okay. You like him for his talent, hey? (laughs) But he's got it all. Like, he's not just a triple threat. He's like a quadrillion triple threat. Like, he can sing, he can dance, he can act, and he's nice. Like, that's the most annoying part of it. Like, you can't hate a guy. That's nice. Um, and he's so humble. Like, oh, my gosh. Just come on. He's, there's got to be some flaws. Maybe that's your homework for this week is just dig up some dirt on Hugh Jackman. Um, there's a lot of husbands out there that are going to be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take that homework. going to do that. Um, but Hugh Jackman has it all. Like, and uh, last year, probably one of the biggest movies of the year was The Greatest Showman. Who's seen it? It's a great movie. Go and see it if you can. Um, and uh, he sings this song in The Greatest Showman with, uh, with his wife in the movie and also him as a child. And the song is called A Million Dreams. And uh, I just remember I had this song on repeat over and over and over again because the words and the lyrics just resonated with me so much. And it says this. This is how the song starts. It says, I close my eyes and I can see the world that's waiting up for me that I call my own. Through the dark, through the door, through where no one's been before, but it feels like home. And, uh, you know, then you can kind of... I wanted to do a sing-along, but I didn't want people... I didn't want people to leave. I didn't want people to leave. Uh, yeah, I went to... Went to, went to this church. The pastor's just terrible at singing. Don't go back. Um, I can see it now. But, but it resonated me, with me because we all have dreams. 
everybody has something that they see that they're not yet there. And, and everybody has a world that they want to design. Everybody has a world that they want to be able to step into, that they want to be able to create. And uh, so the title of my sermon tonight is A Million Dreams. And uh, if you've seen the movie, you're not going to find, you're not going to forget that one. But I find it interesting that when the church was birthed, when Peter stood up on that day, uh, we call it the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up that day and essentially birthed the church with 3,000 people uh, believing and, and being baptized in that day, the, 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 what Peter decided to share, he could have shared any scripture of the Old Testament, any scripture of the Old Testament, but he chose to use a prophecy that the outpouring of God's Spirit would not reflect in prayer, it would not reflect in, in any of the kind of the spiritual disciplines, but it would reflect in dreams and visions. And, uh, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with prayer, I, I think that that's the, the fact that they were there, they were there praying for 50 days, if you kind of do the background and, and do the history. But it could have been anything, anything that Peter could have dug up. But he dug up the prophecy of Joel, found in Joel 2.28, where it says that I will, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men would dream Dreams. Why did Peter choose that particular prophecy? Why did Peter dig up this scripture that he would have no doubtedly heard a hundred times, but he chooses this passage? And, uh, you know, if, if you know the Bible, Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. And so to, to come to faith, there has to be an auditory response in terms of that. But faith comes through hearing, but faith moves out by seeing. You know, you can hear about God, you can hear about the gospel, but, but, and, and, and that's how you come to know, but, but you move out seeing. Uh, and if you don't believe me, Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is the great chapter of faith, it says this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not yet seen. There needs to, faith is activated when we see things. It's, it, it, it's received when we hear things, but it's activated when we see things. And, and, and what Peter is essentially saying on this day of Pentecost when the church is born, that, hey, God is going to show you things that you can see tangibly in the form of visions and dreams about your life and about how it's going to go. And so... And, and, and that's what I want to see the church. I want to see a church that sees the things of God coming to pass. I want to see a church that sees the visions of, of, of what our life can be if we're in touch and in tune with God's, God's vision. And uh, I, always, I always wondered why the young people get to see visions and the old people get to dream dreams. Now, it's not theological. You might have to go and look this up. But I think it's this. It's because old people, their vision is fading. And so they can't see it. And, and they sleep a lot. So they get to dream a lot. <laughs> now you're listening. Yeah. Every night I love. <laughs> I'm joking. You don't have to write that down if you're taking notes. Um, I, can, I can't talk. I've got glasses. 
So, um, yeah, ever since 30, like my vision is just failing. So even if God gave me a vision, I probably couldn't necessarily make it out. So I'm just waiting for one of those dreams. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Vision is indication that something is going somewhere. You can't have a vision if it's not going anywhere. There's a difference between vision and sight. Sight is being able to see what the thing is. Vision is being able to see where the thing is going. And, uh, and there's a whole lot of people that are walking around seeing things, but they're not walking with vision. And there's a massive, massive difference. Because when you see things, it's great. You, you, you can kind of determine what it is. But when you walk with vision, you can see where it's going. And God wants us to be a people of seeing where it's going, not just seeing what's happening. Like it doesn't take a genius to say, oh, well, you know, gee, the lights, I can't believe that they've got the lights. Or, or That's seeing things. But vision is like, I can't wait to see where God is going to take this thing. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in this space right now. There's a difference between sight and vision. Dreams are an indication of life, so is vision. You cannot have vision if you, if you don't have life. You cannot have dreams if there's no life in you. And see, dreams are an indication of life. They can bring to life things that you haven't thought of, things that you haven't thought of for ages. Have you ever had those weird dreams and it's like uh, just randoms are there? Like you're having a dream and, and you're there with your soccer team and then like Pastor Tim is there. It's like, what the heck? How did he get there? But... They can, they can, and you know, you can have a dream, and somebody that you haven't thought of for years can actually come to to your mind. And I'm just talking about, like, I'm not necessarily talking about prophetic dreams here, but I'm just saying that in terms of dreaming, they can bring to life things that you haven't thought about, things that you've forgotten, and it's an indication of life. See, uh, you know, and, and here's the question for your faith: When was the last time that you had a dream or a vision in regards to your faith that propelled you forward? When was the last time that you were in that state where you could see, oh my goodness, this thing is going somewhere, I'm going somewhere, this is what God's called me to be, this is where I'm headed. When was the last time that happened for you? Because I would, indica- I, I, I would, I would venture to say that that is an indication of how strong your faith is moving forward, is, is how open you are to seeing where God is taking you. How open you are to seeing what God would have for you. See, there's heaps of people that start off strong. Heaps of people that start off strong. You know, their, their, their faith is strong. They're excited, you know, and, and you know, they're, they're setting their, their world on fire. But now they sleep, but they do not dream. And then there's heaps of people that have been just absolutely set on fire for God. But now they see, but they do not see vision. And uh, I don't want us to be a people of in the, who sit in church and see but do not have vision. I, want, I don't want us to be a church that sleeps but does not have dreams. I want us to be a church where we see visions and we see dreams and it propels us forward into a world that God's created for us. That's what we're called to be. That's why on the day that the church was born, Peter decided to say, we're going to be a people that, sees, that see vision and dream dreams. Is that we're going to be a life-giving people that God is going to speak through and to, that we're going to see where we're going and dreams are going to bring up the direction. They're going to bring up things that we need to look at. See, there's, like I said, we're going to, we're going to pray that God would just... Re, rebirth dreams and visions in your heart tonight. We're going to do a, 
We're going to do a few things, but I believe that God wants to instill a vision and instill a dream in your heart that might have died, that might have fallen away, that, that might, might not have even been put there yet. I believe that God wants to re-instill and, and even bring a new vision and a new, new dream into your heart, into your spirit tonight. And so we're going to pray for that in a, in a few short minutes. But I've got three things that I just want to, I guess, pave the way for us to be a people that dream dreams and see visions. Because, uh, you know, if you look at the context in which Joel brought that prophecy, there was actually a massive context in regards to that. And, uh, you know, have you ever had a dream where your life was going, where, where your life was headed, and it was all picture perfect. You know, you'd met this guy. He was going to be the one. You were going to get married. And, and, you know, you had a vision of what your life was going to be. You had a dream of where your life was going to go. But, you know, now you're married and, you know, you can't dream because all that you're focused on is the fact that he didn't pick up the toys that were on the floor or didn't load the dishwasher last night at 7.30 p.m. when their friends were coming over. Um, if this is speaking to you, you can respond. Um, but we can get caught up. We can get caught up in the now that we don't take it, that we take our eyes and our vision off where we're headed. And uh, and and if we're not careful in our faith, we can do the same thing. It can just become about the doing. It can just become about you know what what we what we've got to do. But we've lost the vision and dream component of our faith, and that's the breakthrough component. That's why on the first day that the church existed, three thousand people came to know who God was. And uh, you know I I want to have a look at that. So the 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 three things that I look I want to look at tonight come from jo- the book of Joel, and uh, the actual prophecy that Peter said. Uh, was in Joel chapter 2, verses 28, and says this, Then after doing all these things, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit on even servants, men and women alike. Now, that's Peter uses that in the New Testament context. Now, this prophecy is actually wedged in, in, in a, a chapter that isn't necessarily all rainbows and unicorns. Um, it's a, it's a vision that Joel gets of the nation of Israel, and I'm just going to paraphrase for time's sake. But the first part of Joel's prophecy actually speaks about a terrible plague that he uh, foresees is going to happen to the children of Israel, that he foresees is going to happen to Israel. And uh, it, it's about locusts, and they're going to come, and they're going to wipe the, the, all the crops and all the fields clear. And they're going to swarm over everything, leaving the land desolate. The second part is where Joel calls the people back to God. He calls them back to repentance. He calls them back to the place and the the knowledge that God's people are the Israelites. And then the scripture that we look at comes into play. Then after doing all these things, I will pour my spirit upon all people. And uh, so there's three things that we need to, that I think, uh, it's not necessarily a formula, but there's three things that we need to be aware of if we want to be people that dream dreams and see visions. And, and the first one is that you have to deal with the flesh. Now, the King James Version of this, 
uh, of this passage says that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. It doesn't necessarily say people. It talks about flesh. And when we're talking about flesh, we're talking about the part of ourselves, the humanity of us. We're talking about the thing that rages against God's purpose and God's will for us. And uh, in the same way, that Joel's prophecy is, uh, starts with talking about what's going to happen, that, that there's, a, there's a plague of locusts and they're going to leave the land desolate. And if you and I aren't careful, we can let our flesh take over and we can see the thing that we foresee can happen, like, oh my gosh, you know, the, the, the housing price in Sydney is going down and, you know, we're, we're mortgaged up. I can see where this is going. And we let the flesh take over and we become consumed with worry, anxiety, and it just begins to consume us. But we need to actually take an opportunity to deal with the flesh and to put it in the place that it's supposed to be. See, our flesh can reduce what God's Holy Spirit wants us to be to a list of do's and don'ts. And if we're not careful in in identifying it and just putting it to one side, I'm not saying that what's happening in terms of the mortgage is great. I'm not saying let's just kind of put this over to positive thinking. But I am saying that we do need to have a place where we put the flesh, where we put the, the, the tendency to just reduce everything that we're going through to a place that's just easy or brings anxiety or just reduces it to a bunch of rules. See, our flesh of less unchecked can bring us to the point where we are seeing but have no vision, when we are sleeping but have no dreams. And that's not what God has called us to be. See, visions and dreams transcend the flesh because they show us where we're going. They don't necessarily show, necessarily show us what is happening. And, uh, you know, Mary had a vision that she would be the mother of the Messiah. It transcended her flesh, but it was great and, and and it was greater than she could have possibly imagined. Abraham had God gave him a vision of how many descendants he'd have, yet in his flesh it could not happen. In his humanity it could not happen. And and we need to make sure that we put our flesh to one side. I'm not saying that we acknowledge it, but we do need to make sure that it doesn't restrict the Holy Spirit allowing us to have dreams and visions. Um you know we, when we're in, when we're kind of operating in that in that humanity, it's not where God wants. It's not where God exists. God and the Holy Spirit speaks to us through dreams and visions. That's the language of the Holy Spirit. Just like if you were speaking Japanese, I wouldn't understand what you were saying. In the way that the Holy Spirit speaks in terms of dreams and visions, and uh, so. You know, Joel was communing, and, and so that was the first one, deal with the flesh. The second one is that we actually need to understand who we are. We actually need to understand our position in God. Uh, because the Israelites, for the Israelites, they were the chosen people of God. And so the repentance was not about them turn, necessarily turning away from their evil ways as much as it was, positioning themselves in the knowledge of who they are in God. And, and you need to understand that we are more than conquerors in God. That we, are, we, we have the ability to be able to see things that, that transcend our experience, they transcend our knowledge, and they transcend our current circumstance. And so we actually need to come to a point where we know who God is for us. And so that's the second part of how we can actually position ourselves to be a people of dreams and visions, to be a people that see visions and dream 
dreams. And, and so for the Israelites, that was their thing, is to repent, to turn away from their belittling of themselves and to understand that they were called out by God. And you need to understand, if you don't know that you're called out by God, you are. He calls us out so that we can have relationship with Him. He calls us out. He, he separates us from what we could be to who we are called to be. And, uh, and so if that's for you tonight, I believe that that can set you free. And then the last one is in Christ, you need to understand what you have. In Christ, you have access to so many things. All of the promises of God are in Christ and so, you know, we have access to freedom. We have access, access to righteousness. We have access to joy in Christ. See, when you dwell on those things, when you dwell on who you are in God, on your position, on your standing, and, then you, uh, and when you dwell on your access in, through you, in the access that you have with Christ, then you will, you will begin to allow dreams and visions to permeate your spirit. You will allow dreams and visions to become prominent in your life. But when you just focus on the flesh, you can just belittle it and bring it down to the lowest level. And if I could get the musicians onto, up on the stage. You know, maybe you're here tonight and that you are in a dire situation. Maybe, you know, you're looking down the barrel. You're staring down the barrel of something that is scary and it's horrendous. And, uh, you know, in the flesh... We're tempted to just be consumed with worry, to be consumed with anxiety, be, to be consumed with, with, with depression. But it, it, and it doesn't seem to change anything when we're consumed with those. But I, I believe that God wants to give us a dream and a vision tonight that's going to transcend our experience in the flesh. And, uh, and so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to sing just, that, just the bridge of um, that song. What was that? What was the break every chain? Because I believe that God wants to break chains tonight. I believe that, that God wants to bring us to a point where we're released into a new level of, of, of dreaming where God wants to take us, of seeing where God wants to take us. And so we're gonna, what we're going to do is if you're here tonight and you find yourself in a situation where you're either stale, you say to me, Brett, you know, it's easy for you to say, you can get up there and you can say all this stuff, but you don't know what my week's like. You don't know what my year's been like. You don't know how long I've been living in this thing. I believe that God wants to release dreams and visions back into your spirit again. I believe that He wants to elevate your experience over that of where you're currently dealing with. And, uh, or maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're staring down the barrel of something that's scary, something that, that would make a person shake with fear. Well, I want to I believe that God has a dream and a vision that's going to transcend that tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 